It's Andra Zaharia here, and I'm delighted to bring you the Cyber Empathy Podcast, where I share stories of kindness, curiosity, and connection that show you how humans shape online security and privacy. I've been in the cybersecurity industry since 2015, and the one thing that I appreciate most about it are the incredibly diverse, curious, empathetic, and crazy smart people in it. They have taught me a lot about myself, about technology, and about all the ways that we can make a meaningful contribution to the world that we live in. I am beyond thrilled to share with you their stories, their passions, their values and their principles, and most of all, how they lead through example and how they make their work and their passion projects count every single day. I'm super excited to share them with you, and I hope you'll join me and become my partner in Cyber Empathy. So see you soon. Today's episode is a collaboration with Day Smith, a designer and developer interested in privacy, type, and ethics. I actually met Dave through his work on Twitter because I saw his keen interest in privacy and a more empathetic approach towards empathy in technology and making sure that you have alternatives to use that are outside of this uh, surveillance economy that we all live in. It's very interesting that his work combines setting up business owners with all of the, let's say, technology that they need to run their businesses, building websites and creating enjoyable experiences that are based on healthy ethical principles. So for example, he set up as part of his personal project, he set up noticepypixels.com, which helps educate people on the fact that most of, if not all of the emails that they receive and they send have tracking pixels in them, which tell you know companies where they open their email from, how many times they open it, which links they click, and so on and so forth. And then he shows people what options they have to block that sort of tracking and how can they, um, they can report that and then do something about it. Another one of these projects is belowradar.co.uk, a community for business owners and freelancers who don't want to rely on Facebook, Google, and surveillance capitalism to build and grow their businesses. And more recently, we've started doing this podcast together and sharing both our experiences and, and helping you figure out a better way to cultivate and practice empathy towards yourself and towards others by making more mindful choices in terms of technology. So I'm very excited to share with you this first conversation that we had together and make it sure that this is one of the many to follow from now on. So this is your chance to meet Dave and hear us talk about one of the key things that popped up for us, which is why empathy is becoming a core topic now in technology and obviously in other subsets of technology like cybersecurity and privacy because they're all interlinked and becoming even stronger in terms of how they depend on one another. So here's our conversation. Enjoy. 
I'm so glad that today we are recording together an episode for the Cyber Empathy Podcast. We've been talking about this for a while and it is finally happening. We finally picked one of the many topics that we'd like to discuss together. So again, I'm so thrilled that we're doing this. Well, thanks. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm thrilled to be here and to be uh, here to explore some of these things and talk about them. And so thanks for asking me. So first of all, I think that we connected so easily because we have so much in common in terms of things that interest us in terms of, you know, ethical dilemmas that we're trying to figure out and, and help others understand as well. And when it came to the topic of empathy in cybersecurity, but in technology in general, I think that one of the things that came up for us is why it is such a, let's say it's becoming a hot topic now. Why, you know, there was this article on Forbes that everyone shared that empathy is one of the most important leadership traits, which feels obvious and it feels instinctive, but that still doesn't tell us how to actually do this. So I wanted to, you know, let's let's start with this question, like why empathy now? Why is it becoming such a big topic right now in tech, in cybersecurity and everything else that technology touches? Yeah, it's a it's a big topic. Yeah, I was, I was thinking about this a little bit and I, I, th I think there are lots of things that are happening uh, a similar time that are kind of bringing it to a head. If you think about the number of like security breaches and there's lots of stuff that everybody's got used to, like every week there's like a new data hack with like millions of people's addresses or phone numbers or email addresses. And it's not really acceptable, but everyone accepts it or nothing seems to happen. Or if there's a fine, you know, where does that money ever go? There doesn't ever seem to be like any actual real punishment or um, yeah impact for companies when that sort of thing happens. But I think I think with things like like the recent like Facebook things that have been coming out, like the whistleblower and the the documents, there's like Apple rolling out changes that make it easier for people to easily stop tracking and thing on their phones and their emails. I think I think it's just becoming coming to a head through lots of different lots of different avenues. That's true. That's true. There's a compound effect that's happening, and I think that even though there's this distance between, let's say, cause and effect, there's this distance between a data breach happening and people realizing, you know, or experiencing themselves the consequences of a data breach. Those are two things that are very difficult to connect because they're abstract notions, because they happen in places where we can see them, where we can interact with them and, and touch them. And as hard as, well, cybersecurity specialists or, you know, people such as yourself who spend so much time understanding the, let's say, challenges of the surveillance economy and how we can just step away from that and, and carve out a more private and secure place for ourselves on the internet and off. In spite of all these efforts, it, it's still a big thing for people to process because they're not emotionally invested because there's no skin in the game for them at the end of the day. So I think that that's one of the reasons why I'm you know grateful that we're able to have this conversation today that hopefully people will resonate with and, and take it as something personal. It's something that is part of their lives and not just something that's external and that's in the news and that techies talk about and, and bring that topic closer. You were uh, mentioning, so you're, you've done 
so much work around making people aware of tracking online. What is a reaction that you've seen in people who weren't aware that this is happening, that someone, you know, is counting how many times they've opened their email and where they opened it from and which email client they use and things like that. What's their reaction when they realize that this is happening? Yeah, I I think the email thing is actually a really good example because it's so it's so pervasive, the use of like the tracking pixels and things. And no one knows about it. Like anybody who doesn't work in, like obviously people who work in marketing or tech or anybody who's run a newsletter knows that they can track open rates. And I would guess that a lot of consumers suspect that companies know when they've opened emails. But when you start putting together, it's not just whether an email's been opened or not. It's it, This data is sent back every single time the email's opened and it probably reports the location. It will definitely report like the day and time for each for each open. That's stuff that people don't know about at all, really, or like they, they, certain, they certainly don't think about it like that. I remember when I launched um, the noticebypixels.com site, I talked to like family members and people I know who don't work in tech and it kind of blew their minds that this log of their location was being tracked and there's nothing they could really do about it. Like, obviously you can block it with your email provider or your app or something. I I actually spoke to my bank or one of the banks I use about it because I noticed that they were sending tracking pixels in their statements. You know, I don't know why they need to send that. But um, the person I spoke to there was like, they're like head of like customer service or some, something like that, and um, and he and he and he said to me, "We've never had a complaint about this before, so um, I've had to look into this, and I've run it past the data protection officer." And he said, "Like personally, now I'm going to go and like review my, my emails and like how I access my emails because he hadn't he had no idea about it." We're in a kind of bubble, like working in this, but as soon as you talk to people who are outside it who don't know the sort of technicalities of it or like the practicalities of it it's um pretty mind-blowing when the first time you first time you hear that it definitely is and it feels it it brings that feeling of betrayal i guess because there is that inherent let's say relationship of trust that people have with their favorite kind of tech companies and technology providers, you know, whether you use an iPhone or an Android-based phone or whatever it is, you have that inherent trust that tech companies will keep you safe by default, which if you ask any cybersecurity specialist ever will tell you it is not true, simply because we have all of these things and they work and they have good UX and nice designs and, and everything else, it does not make them inherently safe. Technology is complicated. That's why we see all of these complicated issues. And the lack of empathy makes things like tenfold more complicated because they don't go, they don't build on a premise of we're building technology to help people. There are exceptions, but it is not the general rule. We're building technology to make money. And that changes everything. We, We are in this paradigm right now. And I love that there is a very passionate, very determined and hardworking group of people, including you, who are doing a ton of great work in either educating others or building the tools to help them create, let's say, have alternatives to big tech 
uh, alternatives that don't involve tracking. And you know plenty of that about that. And I think that that is a very good and practical example of how empathy looks like when you actually apply it. So can you share some examples? Because I know one of the things that I appreciated about you the most is the fact that you walk the talk. So if you could share some examples of, of tools that you built and that you use to, to build on this, let's say, more independent way of being and working on the internet, I think that that would be very helpful to listeners. Yeah, well, I think one one of the first things to say is that actually for anybody wanting to be more independent or not to rely on these tools so much, in a way now is the best time there's ever been because there are so many alternatives that simply didn't exist or weren't viable for one reason or another a few years ago. A common example would be like website analytics and there are so many there's so many like alternatives that have cropped cropped up now, largely off the back of Fathom's work. Big it, fan as well. Yeah, <laughs> I use yeah. Fathom as well. The analytics that you get from a tool like Fathom is simpler than something like Google Analytics. But that's a plus if you like you don't need a PhD to 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 drill down into the uh to drill down into what's happening. But something that I talk about with clients a lot with a tool like that is like obviously one of the benefits is that you may they may not need a cookie banner depending on what else is going on in their site like that's a plus but um, something that they don't really think about is that Google Analytics is blocked by ad blockers and different browsers so I think Firefox blocks it by default so they're missing they're already missing like so much of their traffic already and if they're if they've implemented it properly then Google Analytics wouldn't even fire until a user opts in. So there are all these like business advantages to using these tools. So like that's one tool. Like another one that's thinking about like newsletters. I discovered uh, Button Down a couple of years ago, which is run by it's just one guy who runs it. He's constantly uh, developing it, and I saw recently, like in the past six months or something, he changed it so that by default analytics are not turned on so by default there are no tracking pixels which is like a really cool development and people can turn them on and it's possible to i think it's possible in button down to turn on utms so like the extensions to url so that you can see where the traffic is coming from from an email so that that allows people to track the source of clicks without having to track individual subscribers which is a nice alternative to the sort of link tracking that, that happens in lots of um, lots of email. Someone actually told me about a new, there's a new newsletter tool called, I think it's called SendStack, that's completely privacy focused. I don't think it will have analytics at all. I don't think it's even, I don't think they're even like beta or anything at the moment, but um, there are lots of tools out there and alternatives. I'm very excited for that as well. I think that those are excellent examples and plus, I'm, I'm really glad that you highlighted that there are extra benefits to this as well, because people might think that some of these tools are okay for private use, but they're not as feasible or not reliable, but just, you know, something that works for a business, but they definitely are because most people do not need complicated, super complex enterprise grade software 
they do need solutions that work and being able to offer customers or subscribers, whether you're an independent creator or, you know, any type of community that you serve, being able to offer them that level of privacy, that level of anonymity, just respecting their data and, you know, their behavior and keeping that private. I think that that is a major benefit to offer users and an act of being empathetic towards their needs and not adding to the surveillance economy that we all live in. And, you know, I say this as a marketer because I use, I have to use tools that involve tracking for some of my clients. I am trying to introduce the best I can alternatives to these things. um, And I'm glad that people are quite open to it. And the fact that there are more and more alternatives who are hope will get well-funded so they can develop and and hopefully become mainstream solutions as well. I think that that's going to help a lot in their adoption because so far privacy-focused technology uh, and security has been, I get that people don't want to, let's say, jump into that because they fear that it's too technical for them. It used to be complicated. I mean, setting up a VPN used to be a thing that only a very few people were able to do. And now, well, it's as simple as install and click one button and that's it. So things are getting a lot easier. And it's I think that it's fitting that empathy is becoming such a core topic because there are so many ways that we can practice it whether it's in education or building products or like you do, educating your customers, which has obviously a a, a ripple effect in the community. There are so many options. Some are like, you know, the, the likes of Apple who are taking such a huge stand on, we're helping you set up accounts without giving your email. Can you talk a bit about that? Because I think that, well, people in tech know what's going on, but given that I'm trying to, uh, you know, we're trying to reach people outside of the tech bubble, I think that this particular example with your explanation would have like a a big positive effect on people to know that it's there. I'll do my best. So I think it's in iOS 15, Apple are rolling out a a couple of things. So one is that users of the Mail app will be able to block the use of um, these like spy pixels or tracking pixels, which hasn't been the case before. So there's actually an extension that people have been able to install into Apple Mail called uh, Mail Tracker Blocker, I think, that does this. But now, but now everyone will be able to do it. It's really cool because anybody who uses Apple Mail, no matter where the email originally comes from, so if somebody's forwarding their Gmail account into Apple Mail, Apple Mail will strip the pixel from it and and their location and open history and stuff, that will be protected. I, I saw a stat from an email industry body article that was talking about the impact of this, and they reckon that that would affect 30 to 40% of, um, of, of, of newsletter lists in terms of like the open rates that they see. But the other feature that you're really talking about is the ability for users to set up temporary email addresses. I've not actually done it myself yet, but um, the basic premise is that instead of giving uh, a company your like actual email address, you can give them a temporary one that still comes to your email. And your experience of it is just like using your standard email, but uh, the company at the other end doesn't see your actual email address, which Initially, it's, it feels like that's like some extra work to do that. But it, when you think about it, it's actually an amazing, it's an amazing thing because 
uh, your email address is so intrinsically tied to you. Like if you, people talk about like personally identifiable information. So things like your IP address or something that's identifiable about you. And an email address gets bundled into that category. But it's actually, it's actually even more than that because if you have somebody's email address, you've got like a direct line of communication to them. And uh, without getting into this like other topic, um, something I've been thinking about for a while is that is how wild it is that newsletter operators, like people like me, in every newsletter service there is, you can see people's email addresses like right there. And there's almost no need to be able to see people's email addresses. If that, if I don't know if that makes sense, but it's so easy to access people's email addresses if you run a newsletter. And all you, all you really need is like aggregate data, really. And this is a way of people keeping a degree of privacy with their contact information, but still, but still registering for stuff. I suspect it will be a bit of a slow burn, the uptake on something like that. But the fact that they're rolling it out, if they can make it super easy for people to generate these email addresses, that would be an absolutely incredible thing. It does. It does help a lot. And there's one more thing that I started to use. Generally, I do not recommend that people sign in into various services and set up accounts using a social login. So like things like sign in with Google and sign in with Facebook. I generally think that is a bad idea because it gives you a central point of failure, which is what it's called in cybersecurity. It basically makes you super vulnerable because if someone hacks into that particular account, then they get immediate access to all of the other accounts that are connected to it. And, and email, our email is that central point of compromise. And what Apple has also rolled out is the option to sign in with Apple, which means that you can set up an account, but they also don't see your email address. For example, I use I use Notion, but they cannot see my email address. So I, I do have an account. It works just as well. It I have no downside. I have two-factor authentication on and everything else, but they cannot see my email. So that means that they won't be able to send me emails unless I expressly sign up for something. And it makes it super easy to sign in. And it goes through all of the privacy steps that, you know, Apple has. That is exceptionally helpful and useful. And this is something that I would endorse and support because it's much easier to protect one email and or let's say two inboxes, if you're the kind that likes to separate primary accounts for the re- from the rest, which I like to do. It is super simple to use and it's easier to protect that one thing. So prioritizing what you want to protect, what you want to keep private, I think that is the key to actually making a dent into this problem that we're all trying to face and an act of empathy towards yourself because you cannot secure all the things, you cannot protect all the things. It would take, it would be a full-time job. You probably don't want to become a security specialist. If you want to, then that's great. But most people don't and shouldn't. So prioritizing, just like in life, just like at work, just like with anything else that requires our time and resources, I think that that is a self-empathy and a way to actually move forward and, and reap some results so we can see if the th- this thing makes sense and, and is worth our time and energy <laughs> yeah yeah and actually i never used I, i've never really used the the single sign-on with like gmail or facebook or anything like that mainly because i i think maybe i did it once or twice and i instantly realized i could never remember which service i signed to, i'd used to sign up now i know i know it works 
there's there's a way for them to hook it all up at the back end so it doesn't really matter what you sign in with but still if you're using a password manager it's so much easier to just you don't have to worry about it then actually you just rock up with your email address and your password but what you're talking about with apple that sounds like a really cool new way to access services and and keep more privacy yeah hopefully because they're Hopefully there will be many other conversations that we share together on on so many other topics that we want to explore and, and help people wrap their minds around as well. But before we wrap up this particular conversation, I wanted to ask you, what are the ways where you're practicing empathy, you know, as a developer, as a business builder, because you you just you relate so easily to other people who are building their businesses and you're supporting them with the right technology platforms and advice and the right custom stuff that they need. What does empathy look like for you in this particular context? I'm not sure if this is a, this would be a good answer, but but I think I think trying to pitch these things or or talk or talk to people in terms of like the benefits to them. We touched on this a little earlier, but Rather than it just being, you should do this because it's a good thing to do, or like it's the right thing to do, or you're morally bankrupt if you don't. <laughs> so instead of taking that this sort of approach with a stick, when we talked about analytics earlier, there are like all these other benefits that come with like switching. And for so many things, there are these benefits. And like I, you mentioned earlier, taking uh, or having acts of empathy towards yourself and something for them for people to think about is, well, if I use like a privacy focused service and that gets hacked, I don't have to worry about it. Or, you know, like the possible implications of something like that are you're, you're, you're reducing your exposure. And there, and there are so many little things like that and ways to think about that aren't necessarily obvious. But I think that's really my answer is trying to get people to see it in a way that kind of benefits them and, and some rather than it just being just, nice to have. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. You're... I think that's super, super helpful. To me, I think that is so important because when if you get that aha moment, if you get that that moment that flips the switch on this, you it's just that I think it's called a differentiation, a differentiated perception. Uh when you see, for example, you want to buy a new car and then you start seeing that that car brand everywhere you go. Once you start kind of once privacy and, and security and empathy and that mix that uh, they form together rises up to the top of our, your priorities and becomes top of mind, it's so much easier to find alternatives, to be open to the topic, to find the right advice, to soak it all in and, and use that to make healthier decisions that, that set you up for better business and a better, more sane life, hopefully online, because it's unlikely that we'll be able to fully disconnect ever from now on, unless we want to live in the mountains and raise goats, which is what I want to do when I get older. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you're totally right, though. It's, it's like, As soon as your ears have been pricked to it, suddenly you, it starts to become like a consideration. And every time you're choosing a tool like it becomes it becomes a thing of like what are the implications of doing this so it's just it's just like raising that awareness in the first place and then kind of takes care of itself from there in terms of like your your interest um as soon as you're 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 thinking of it yep and i hope that this 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 conversation that we just had is that 
trigger and that thing for people. And I hope that many more will follow. So thank you so much for sharing so much with us. I know that you have a wealth of information that goes far beyond what this conversation can cover. But hopefully we'll uh, continue to to have these talks and explore more of that. So yeah, thanks so much, Dave. That, that, would, that would be great. Well, no, thank you. You're the, you're the grandmaster <laughs> pulling this all together. <laughs> Barely, barely. I'm just creating the space for uh, for us to have these conversations and, and then we'll see what happens. <laughs> it was lovely to discover new ways of practicing empathy and cybersecurity with you today. Explore the podcast for more stories about connection, for more inspiring ideas, and for more people who drive online security and privacy forward. It's a great chance to learn from them how to improve your own practice of empathy, both in keeping yourself safe online, but also far beyond that. You can find all of the episodes on andrazaharia.com, plus a bunch of resources that come with each episode and lots more articles and guides that could help you along the way. Lovely seeing you here and be sure to reach out on Twitter or LinkedIn if you have any ideas or want to propose any new guests. See you around.